If I had a singular purpose, the purpose is to get the right college outcome. I'm not just talking about let's get to college. So we have to look at the big picture. The outcome is what's important. To get the right education, to have the right experience, to choose the right major, to graduate on time in four years, and to get all of this without breaking the family bank. That is my equation. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset Show. This is a podcast about the financial, money, and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. Let's dive into today's show. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset Show and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Hans Hansen, national college advisor and founder of College Logic. College Logic is a valuable resource for helping families quickly get started in the college process with a personalized game plan and a detailed playbook. Within hours, a family will have a knowledge-based strategy at their fingertips to follow. College Logic is a close personal resource for helping families solve the complex and expensive college equation. Hands is a great resource, friend, and college advisor for my family. Well, hello, everybody. It's my pleasure to be here with Hans Hansen today. Welcome to the show, Hans. Oh, Lawrence. Hey, great to be on with you today. Awesome. Thanks for taking out the time. You are a college advisor at College Logic, which is a company that you founded. What was your path to becoming a college advisor? Well, 2000, I sold a business. I was wondering what I was going to do the rest of my life. In 2001, I built out a uh, 20,000 square foot indoor sports training center. I started working with athletes from all different kinds of sports. And so I thought I got a lot of questions about college. So I started at, at, trying to answer some questions about college. And what I wound up doing was right around 2003 or four, I joined two companies on a part-time basis. One was a national sports recruiting service out of Chicago, and the other one was an admissions office out of New York City. And I worked with them for about three years and learning, let's say, learning the craft at that level. And I decided in about 2008 to open up my own business. And even though I changed names a couple of times, that's when College Logic was born. Wow, that's amazing. And if I remember correctly, you had personal experience through this process, especially with athletes with your own son. Isn't that right? Well, that's right. So let me see. He was born in 1986. When he turned 14, he, he had told me that he wanted to play college baseball. And I knew he had talent. But on his 14th birthday, I called him into the living room. And I said, Jeff, if you want to play college baseball, you're going to have to change some of your habits. He goes, right, dad, I will. Well, six months later, I call him back in the living room and I said, Jeff, if you want to play college baseball, you're going to have to change some of your habits. 
Now, remember back in the 1990s, that's when, you know, the computer games were coming on and things like that. And kids were spending a lot of time playing games on computers. And he said, right, Dad, fine. Well, 2015, I called him in. I said, one last time, if you want to play college sports, you're going to have to change your habits. I'm never going to say this to you again. Uh, and he woke up the next morning and he cleared the deck of all those habits and he started fresh in developing his routines. And I started working with him. A guy, we started visiting colleges when he was 15 years old. We started meeting college coaches right away. And two years later, he had eight or nine different offers, a couple of big scholarship offers to play Division One baseball. And the rest is history. But Lawrence, the one fact is I made plenty of mistakes then. Right. Hans, let's hold that off for a second because I want to tell the audience because I think there's some misconceptions and misperceptions. I think before you kind of go into that, I'd like to know and have you tell our listeners, what does a college advisor do? I think that's pertinent to this conversation because I know from my experience, I've met individuals that call themselves college advisors that do either one or many of the following, help you get into school, help you fill out financial aid forms, navigate the college sports process. And some people who call themselves college advisors do one piece of that. Some of them do all. So in your view, what should and what does a college and what do you as a college advisor do? Well, that's a great question because most people are singularly purposed. If I had a singular purpose, the purpose is to get the right college outcome. So when we think, when we're talking with a 14 or 15 or 16 year old, we're talking about outcomes from college. I'm not just talking about let's get to college. So we have to look at the big picture. The outcome is what's important to get the right education, to have the right experience, to choose the right major, to graduate on time in four years, and to get all of this without breaking the family bank. That is my equation. So college advisor, from my standpoint, isn't going to be singular-minded on just working on applications or just working on scholarships or just working on athletics or just working on financial aid or just choosing a college. It's all of it. A family needs all of it. Everyone's going to put a lot of money into this, the college process, the college experience. Everybody has a vested interest. Moms do, dads do, and the kids do. So from my standpoint, I have to put people on a path with the end in mind. Uh, That's a Stephen Covey thing that you know that I'm a big fan of Stephen Covey. Begin with the end in mind, but start with first things first. And the first things first is let's get a college list together so that Once we have a college list, we can be proactive. Lawrence, you know, everything has to be proactive. If I don't work it right with the families, they wind up going through this process reactively. So the goal is to have a plan, have a path, and be proactive in achieving the goals. Right. Well, Hans, I think one of the questions that many people have listening to this and looking into college advisors, isn't this something that my child's guidance counselor or guidance advisor in their local school should be doing? That's what everybody hopes for. Everybody hopes that somebody's going to do it for them for free. Everybody intuitively knows that they really don't know what they're doing with it. They know what they did 20 or 25 years ago, but everybody knows college has changed and outcomes are even more important these days. So if you rely on the guidance counselor, I appreciate the guidance counselors at high school. Their jobs are to get kids graduated. Their jobs are not to find them the right college. They can't possibly put the time and money into it. So it's a big mistake when families rely on a guidance counselor who has a different job than to take care of their kid. It's a big mistake if 
parents of athletes rely on the travel team coach. They're always trying to rely on somebody else. This is not a process to rely on somebody else. It's a process to rely on yourself. Right. Yeah, Hans, I listen, I believe in that wholeheartedly. And in full disclosure, that's one of the reasons why myself and our family hired you. My wife and I haven't gone through this process in quite some time, and we know that it has changed. And it's not something that we have the time, effort, or energy to learn. So, I mean, along those lines, if students aren't going to get the level of advice that they need and the level of help from the local school, at what point, what's the ideal time for somebody to look to hire a college advisor like you? You know, is it in middle school? Is it freshman, sophomore, junior? When's the ideal time for them to reach out? So I love that question too, because if you're a parent and you just paid fifty or $60,000 to send your son or daughter to college as a freshman, I would ask the question, are you ready yet to have them think about jobs afterwards or the next phase afterwards? And parents will say, of course, we're going to do this for four years with the idea we're going to get a job afterwards. So if it's not too early as a freshman in college to think about jobs afterwards, then it's not too early to be a freshman in high school and think about the high school track ahead of you and where it's going to lead you to college. So from a parent standpoint, we know that college is on their mind from the time their kids, tip, hey, let's face it, you and I both knew- The minute they're born. <laughs> the minute they're born, right, right. I started off, Larry, putting $5,000 a year, every year into the kid's college account from the time they were born. So it was on my mind. Hans, I actually have you beat, and this is a true story. I had started a 529 plan before I even had children. See, that's planning ahead. I knew it was going to be needed at some point, so why not start now, right? I know. Hey, I know my daughter is uh, seven months pregnant, and I'm saying let's start up a college account. That's going to be my first first investment into her. Well, congratulations. Uh, Her son, thank you. But ideally, parents can't grasp that concept. Eighth or ninth grade, let's work with a college advisor, even though some of my greatest outcomes have come from families who did. So typically, I think in the summer between freshman year and sophomore year is an ideal time, not because applications are due, but it's because you still have three years to affect your outcome. Kids have a big say in the outcome. They can affect it with the classes they take, the summer activities that they go through. So there's a lot that goes into getting college right and just waiting and going through high school and just waiting to the end and hoping it turns out well is not a strategy. as Not really. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you were about to jump in a little earlier about you had, I guess, made mistakes along the way. And I think that obviously you only know what you know. You know, from your view, what are the biggest mistakes, maybe the top two that you're seeing parents and students taking when it comes to college planning before they meet you? I mean, I'm sure there are some commonalities between those situations. No question about it. The simple, most common, biggest mistake families make is they choose colleges randomly. Then when they visit colleges, they fall right into what the college wants them to do. They sign up for a tour. They get led around a campus. They listen to an information session so they hear what the colleges want them to hear. Then they lead them around the campus and they see what the colleges want them to see. 
And then they get up and leave the campus. And they leave the campus without meeting people in the admissions office, people in the anticipated department of study. They don't know how the college does its business. They don't know what the path to a desired outcome might look at. All they know is they heard that the college has a 90% job placement rate, which is false news, fake news. And then they get to see all the beautiful dorms, cafeterias, and sports fields. So the biggest mistake is randomly choosing colleges. And then when you visit the colleges, just being led around on a tour and going home without really doing your due diligence. So let's talk about something you said in there, because I found it fascinating when we started first working with you. When college says, hey, we have a 90, 95% job placement rate, you kind of alluded to the fact that that may not be accurate. Why would that be? How do they give that number? Where does that number come from? What's it all about? The people that you're going to meet when you visit a campus, sign up for a tour, are well-trained in their job. They're well-trained to say what they're supposed to say. So in the information session, they're trained with a big smile to say, hey, we have a 90% or 92%. I even heard one last year, 96% job placement rate. I asked the parent, when you heard that, how did that make you feel? And the parent said, wow, that makes me feel like the college is worth it. And I asked them, how do you think they track that number? And the parent said, I don't have any idea. Well, why don't you think about it? Because I can assure you that they don't track the number. There's not a college in the country that tracks the number. And there's not a college in the country with a job placement rate anywhere near 90%. So it's somebody that's just trained to say it because they know they have listeners that are going to buy into it. Right. I would imagine if you went to a college tour and they said, hey, we have a 60% job placement rate, nobody would really go there. That's exactly right, because everybody is saying 90%. 10 years ago, everybody said 80%. Now everybody says 90%. And I think that just our natural intuition would tell us that the job placement rate for the last year's graduates might even be 20%. Right. Well, it's amazing. You know, me being in an industry that I am so regulated and we have to be so careful about what we say. It's amazing when I see other industries get away with and have the ability to basically say whatever they want to say without being moderated or fact-checked, so to speak. Right. No moderation, no fact-checked. You know that I like the students to visit their anticipated department of study when you visit a campus. When you do that, if you ask them what their job placement rate is, what kind of jobs their graduates get, what kind of pay do they get, those people in, let's say, the engineering department or business department or whichever they might have that information. Right. But the admission office, right. the admission office job is to get you is to get you there, not to have the data to get you out of there. Sure. The department would be more hands-on and a better right. opportunity to yep. get some right answers. Now, listen, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the pandemic and how it's affecting college and potentially how it's going to affect things going forward. In your view, how is the college landscape going to change, do you think, due to this uh, pandemic? Well, that's interesting because, you know, one of my books from like three years ago is called Dissecting the Big Business of College. 
And I just informed my wife last night that this winter, I do my writing in the wintertime. I said, this winter might be spent having to redo that book Mm -hmm. because that book is pre-COVID, obviously. And now dissecting the big business of college is going to be different for the next, not just 12 months, certainly for the next 12 months, but five years out. And for parents of ninth graders like you are, we start looking at what is college going to look like in the year 2025. And it has to look a lot different than it does today. So colleges have been exposed for their money grab, their desperation to get kids on campus. It is so evident that they did everything they could to get kids on campus in spite of the risks. Because as soon as the kid gets on campus, the college gets the hook into the money. Everything that's happened in the last six months has been about the money. That's been exposed. Parents are not happy with that. Parents now realize that colleges have spent the last 20 years marketing to the student appeal, not marketing to the parents' interest of a desired outcome from college. So that's going to have to change. Parents came to realize that they were paying $30,000 for a semester and watching their child online, at home, disengaged, and not really involved, and realizing that's not worth the money. So what's going to happen is online studies are here forever. Every college that exists five years from now will probably, this is just my thinking, but will probably have 50% of all classes online. The purpose is for them to be able to increase their enrollment. When you have 50% online, you can increase their enrollment without having to increase the size of the campuses and hire professors and build out classrooms and things like that. And everything else. Yeah. Now, online studies is a challenge to some degree, without a doubt. The higher endowed colleges, let's say the top 50 in the country, typically with endowments over a billion dollars, they have money to invest in the technology to deliver that in good form. Yale is doing a good job with that. A lot of lesser colleges are not. So they will gain the advantage with online studies and how to leverage that. So you have the top, I think the top 25% of colleges will maintain their business model, maintain their pricing structure, and prosper five years from now. Mm -hmm. The other 75%, it's almost like the erosion of the middle class When it comes to colleges, the erosion of the middle class colleges, they're going to be separated from the elite colleges and they're going to have to, I think, turn into job resource centers. You're going to see five years from now, a lot of schools focusing on outcomes, focusing on what they can do to get kids jobs, to give them real skills. Parents, you'll see it. Parents will be rightfully complaining that colleges don't qualify kids for jobs. They educate them and they're doing a good job of that. The vast majority of colleges need to have a focus on getting kids jobs. They need to streamline the process so it's not always four or five years, and they need to be able to deliver it at a lower cost. So I think you're going to see a division of the colleges. We're definitely going to see some changes coming down the pike for sure. And now I'm in the midst right now of the college planning process, obviously, as you know. And one of the things that I'm hearing a lot about even this year and going forward is people are saying that, hey, many of these schools now are saying because of the issues with getting these tests done because of the pandemic that they're saying SATs and ACTs are optional. 
And I'm hearing parents say, oh, they're optional. So I'm not going to have my son, Johnny or daughter, Jane. I'm not going to have them take it. Why should I put them through the rigor of taking that exam if it's optional, it's not needed? Should they bother taking these exams or it's really not necessary because they're optional? So Larry, colleges are going to change, but parents have to change too. We think about parents saying, They almost celebrate the idea. They get on the call with me, you know, excited. Oh, my kid's not going to have to take the tests (laughs) as if that's good news. No, that's not good news. The college process to have a successful outcome, students, we have to be able to distinguish themselves from the pack. You can't distinguish yourself by doing what everybody else does. So if everybody else wants to get lazy, oh, we don't have to study, we don't have to do this, we don't have to do that, fine. Eight or nine out of 10 kids are going down that path. Too bad for them. The one or two out of the 10 that say, hey, we're going to do it, we're going to work it hard, and when the time comes and the test is available, like this weekend, we're going to be ready. So SATs and ACTs right now are around, and they'll be around as long as, Larry, here's the quick point. In U.S. World News. U.S. News and World Report. Yeah, who does the college rankings. There are 15 criteria that go into the college rankings. College rankings is probably the number one most important thing to a college president. The number four highest ranked criteria that goes into those rankings is the SAT and ACT scores of incoming freshmen. As long as that occupies that position, SAT scores will always be very important to the colleges. Study, prepare, start in 10th grade in your preparation, take SAT2s and plan to do well in SATs or ACTs. It's a way that you can distinguish yourself from the pack. I think you put that succinctly, although they're optional, it's really something that you need to do to separate yourself from everybody else. And from the college perspective, not to mention the fact that these are optional, I would imagine there's a revenue driver for them. Okay. Because now they're going to have more applicants because they're going to feel that, okay, I didn't have an SAT, but that's fine. I'll still make an application because they're not going to look at it. And they're collecting $50, $75, $100 per application. Multiply that times hundreds of kids that may be applying now that wouldn't necessarily have. And you have just added money right to your bottom line. Right. See, that's the best point of all. We always have to understand the college perspective. To understand colleges, they have profit centers. So it's not just one big profit center of a university. You have a bookstore, that's its own profit center, a cafeteria, the housing is a profit center, and guess what? Admissions office is a profit center. So when a school goes test optional, they do it for two reasons. Number one, they want to increase the number of applicants, like you said, a thousand more applicants at $75 a pop is 75,000. That allows them to hire two more people. Number two, when you have more applicants, then you effectively are lowering the acceptance rate. When you lower the acceptance rate, you improve or enhance your selectivity rating. And that helps in overall college rankings. The lower the acceptance rate, I can guarantee you this, Larry, the lower the acceptance rate, the less scholarships they have to offer, the more money they keep. Absolutely, because they're more selective. 
You know, Hans, this has been a extreme learning process for me. I've learned a lot today just on this show. And one thing that we wrap up every show with, with all our guests is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Because it is the Midland money mindset after all. If I could show you my calendar for my schedule today with the kids, I have five or six appointments with kids, one from Ecuador, one from South Florida, one from Virginia, one from New York. These are kids coming on. When they come on, they have a big smile on their face and they always say, hi, Hans, how are you doing? And it just brings me total joy to see their faces. Larry, even your son, like yesterday morning, he was bright and spirited. Every morning when I wake up, By 6 o'clock or 6.30, I just take a look at my appointments for the day, and I just visualize the look on those kids' faces and how I feel every time I see them. And Larry, that gives me great joy and great motivation. And my work is hard work, and it's a big responsibility, but I love it. That's awesome, and that's why you love what you do, and it's not even really, when you look at it, probably a job because it's something that you enjoy so much. So thank you for being on the show, Hans, and how do people find you? Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate being on the show. Two quick things. Number one, we have a Facebook group called College Clarity. Please, if you have a Facebook account, just go on College Clarity, join the group where we have weekly engagements going on. My email, of course, hands at mycollegelogic.com. I welcome anybody to reach out to me. I'll give them a free call and we'll talk about their college situation. Great. And all of this information will be in the show notes for the listeners. And thanks again, Hans, and make it a great day. Hey, thank you, Lawrence. You make it a great day too. I appreciate you and everything that you do. Thank you. Thank you very much. I want to thank Hans for being a guest today on the Midland Money Mindset Show. It's always a pleasure talking to him about the college planning process, a difficult process at that. And it's also always interesting learning about the process from the inside out, which Hans has succinct knowledge in that area. If you have a student who's entering or in high school looking to navigate the college process, I highly recommend you give him a call for a free consultation. You can find him across all social media platforms, Hans Hansen or College Logic, and connect with him and follow the content that he puts out regarding the college planning process. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandfinancial.com and be sure to smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content. And listen, please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. Be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about the mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. 
Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.